Someone else has already said it best. This is the best, the best of it. The best ones aren't as good as you probably think they are. What is best in life? I did the best I could. Doing my best. 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 Welcome to Best of the Best Podcast with myself, Connor Keys, alongside me, as always, Mr. Ronan Emmett Mullen. Hello. Oh, uh, yes. you did it again very good. And today, uh, a very special guest, a first ever return guest. Second time. Second time. Uh, but with an agreeable feature. <laughs> <laughs> We're all in agreement <laughs> on this one. There's no... Yeah, there's no... There's yeah, no, no dilemma. animosity No, there's no dilemmas. Yeah. Uh, there's no Fast and Furious problems. Fast and still rest. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Mickey Bartlett. What is up, motherfuckers? How are you doing? Oh, uh, grand. Hung over as usual. And uh, it's nice to be here on your other podcast. Yes. I feel like I'm making... I'm not going to call him dad. <laughs> <laughs> Things make it weird. <laughs> I feel like this is kind of like, I have to go see these two. Because <laughs> it's Christmas. It's not my real dad. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a Sunday. It's Sunday close to Christmas. So that's, yes, uh, on, on that note, we decided, um, controversially, to do a Christmas movie. Already been arguments, I'm there's seeing, on more, socials? I've, I've so I've heard, yeah, there's, there's a bit of dilemma going on. So we're going to set the, the, the standard now and the record straight. The Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I think so. And that's, 100%. Why, that's why we're here. And we thought, no better man to come along and tell us how to terrorize an absolute entire building. <laughs> entire plaza. With uh, absolute... <laughs> Set of guns and a vest. Uh, uh, I could douche. <laughs> it's Smiggy Bartlett. That's, that's what I call my fists. My last one's good douche. My other one's good douche. <laughs> that's the sound that makes them like kills people. <laughs> good douche, good douche. So, speaking of killing, we are on Die Hard. Uh-huh. Um, the, uh, well, I mean, it, it, it originally, I think, was released. Uh, it was at, a book. It was a book, but I don't think uh, the release time of the movie was even Christmas time. No, they released in July. Yeah. This, is a summer, this is a yeah. summer blockbuster. Summer like, blockbuster. Fuck, I didn't know that. Aye, but that, that's been one of the main arguments that people have been using against it. But the point, the problem with that is that most people our age or younger, like Mickey, would, would never have got to see it in the cinema. So no. It would uh, have never applied to being a summer blockbuster. Or No. I only learned that in the last few weeks, so I, I aye, thought it came out of Christmas. I, thought it came, I had no idea it came out. Yeah, it was a summer, uh, summer release and was there, I think it was the, the biggest one of their... Slate that year, it yeah. was quite a big. Was a tight year the, that year. The promo or it. What was the year? 80, 88. 88. Rain Man, Roger Rabbit, Midnight Run, Coming to America, The Deadpool, Big, Bull Durham, Crocodile Dundee Two, and Rambo Three. Ah, sure, well, fuck. A tight year was. That's a that's a lineup and a half. Mm-hmm, I think it was the fourth highest grossing film of the year. Because I watched the thing on Netflix. The the what's the doc? Is the movies that made us or whatever? Yes. And the, did it initially? They were like, this is not going to work. The genuinely sort of critics and you know they, they were against it, were yeah. Like, yeah, because he wasn't an action hero because it wasn't Arnie or John Claude Van Damme. It was it was a TV star. Yeah, it came yeah. from was it Moonlighting? Moonlighting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He'd done a film like a rom com and it fell in its hole. But people were actually during the trailers after they finished it and the trailer preview trailer came out cinema. Mm-hmm. People were laughing because yeah. it was Bruce Willis on the screen. 
Even though the trailer wasn't funny in any way. Right. Right. No. They were just like, ha, that deck from the TV. That's what, yeah, they didn't, weren't expecting it at no, all. No, not at all. And I think it's it's key, back to the Mickey's favorite type of shows. Um, we've talked about this before, about the, the love for 80s action movies. Uh-huh. It was the first time you got somebody panicking in the middle of their, in the middle of their action. You know what I mean? Arnie and, and Sylvester never walked away going, oh, fuck, what's going to happen here? You know, but McLean is the character of him was so different. See, that, that fight scene between the sort of, the guy who comes back at the end of the, what's his name, the blonde guy? Carl. 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 Yeah, fucking hell, I should know that. Um, <laughs> it's the most fucking panicky fight scene you ever see in, in an 80s movie. Yeah. Do you know, like a, a Van Damme movie or an Arnie movie, there was never a point where you're like, he might lose this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it was a, it was a, it was a real man in that sense. It was yeah. the first time, and he's talking was... shit the whole way through. I'm yeah. gonna fucking get. <laughs> yeah. He says he's gonna cook him and eat him <laughs> yeah. in the middle of the fight. It's brilliant, but it looks so like two boys really just scrapping. Uh, yeah, real roughhousing around the fucking construction site. Like, well, I remember um, it was such a big deal. Uh, uh, it's the one film I remember my first time witnessing piracy. Oh, mm-hmm. um, being around eight or nine years old and. Uh, always about my granny's house and my uncle's and they were sort of 10 years older than me so they were you know still relatively cool and, and mm-hmm. hip so his mate had come over because Die Hard had just come out on video to rent and two video players on top of each other no the classic old school I thought you were going to go for Cyprus. I just came so, back on holiday for Cyprus. Everybody had a copy of a fucking something from Oh, this is, this is even way... This is proper old school fucking piracy where you just... Two machines. And very rare that two people... There's a, There was a certain machine, if you remember. There was a certain uh-huh. way of... Only certain ones could do it. So uh, I remember that's how I got to watch it. Was because it was being copied for me. Right. So it had to be played. And it couldn't be turned off. No. It had to be played the whole way through. So I had to sit and watch it. Even though normally I'd never get to watch it. And um, do you remember clearly watching it? Oh, uh, fuck, it blew my mind. It right. was the best thing I'd ever seen. I think I, I watched Die Hard about that age as well, but it was, I think, because Lurgan was that violent, <laughs> like, outside, would have, like, stay in and watch Die Hard, you're nice and safe. <laughs> you thought it was a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The news is long night, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, you were right, the critics didn't, they were like... Mm, don't think this is going to yeah, work even work. before but, but it was when it went to the previews for the audiences that it went through the roof aye. and they were like we've, we've got something here like. Mm-hmm. but it was tight to the bone they were writing as they were filming the musical score was only handled in like two weeks before the film was shown aye. and effects weren't finished Yeah. so everything was sort of on the fly and they knew they had and they're saying it's because of this window that Bruce Willis had when he wasn't filming Moonlighting which soon fucking disappeared after this came out like, <laughs> didn't it? <laughs> but it, he had, I think he had like six to nine weeks because Sybil Shepherd was pregnant Right. And she couldn't film, so he had time to do this. So everybody was just sort of fucking on the cuff. And Aye. But that's what makes it sort of as good as it yeah, is. Like. absolutely. But it doesn't show in, in the making of the film. No, not at there's all. There's no sign of it being rushed or no sign of it being... Aye. There, there's, there's nothing you would trim off it. No. You know, there's no fat on it. Like no, there's no, no, no. The major criticism now from movie buffs, etc., is that it takes too long to start. But I think that sort of exposition that. of yeah. why he's here... Oh, he's a cop. We found out in the first minute because yeah. you see the gun and yeah. you know all that slow burn is brilliant. And I always yeah. loved the cops coming in the foyer and them still pretending they're not, you know all that cracks. Mm-hmm. That was still the build up. There's no action, but Aye. the tension at that time yeah. was fucking. It's even the fact that he's it's such a human thing for a main character in an action movie to have that he's afraid of flying. He's afraid yeah. of flying. Do you know what I mean? The fact that like the fist with your toes carry <laughs> yeah. on like you wouldn't get Arnie being like I'm going to make fists with my feet. <laughs> yeah. My feet off fists. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. No, we don't mean it that way, Arnie. Arnie. <laughs> my feet off fists just kicking everybody around his feet. Yeah. 
No, Arnie, 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 never, Arnie never flew with an airline. The one no. time he did, he killed somebody. That's right. I mean? <laughs> that's right. So Arnie just didn't. And that's what I'm saying, Stallone. So, I don't it, think it they would have let themselves. No. But, but, but it wouldn't have been in the formula for a, a blockbuster film to have a weak action hero of any kind uh, to show or their... Normal or, or normal. Or normal, yeah. or to show their psyche, or to think, I'm worried about this, or... That was a wee bit of trivia I read years ago about Die Hard, so... Because what was the movie, the, the Sinatra movie? The Detective. The Detective. Yeah. And this was supposed to be a sequel to The Detective? Yeah, that right? Sinatra bought the rights and then optioned the same writer, um, Thorpe, somebody Thorpe. He, he asked him, just write me a... Roderick Thorpe. Aye, of course. He asked him to write a sequel, but he said it's going to take a few years and it ended up taking like 10 years. Aye. So to, uh, Sinatra was too old then, so he didn't want to get involved. Because I heard that there was, at one point they pitched it to Arnold Schwarzenegger, but they were basically going to be like, it'll be Commando 2. Mm-hmm. So the idea would be that John Matrix is in the fucking Nakatomi Plaza right. for whatever reason. Yep. Um, and Arnie was like, nah. Nah. Because well, it, it did go down the list before it got to Bruce Willis. Because you'd it? actually have to dem- demolish the building Aye. if Matrix isn't there. Imagine trying to get that fucker in an elevator shaft. <laughs> <laughs> Come round and have some turkey, a few laughs. <laughs> There'd be no worry about him putting the chair through the window. <laughs> through windows uh, you couldn't have Hans Gruber as the bad guy when the main guy is called fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger like I well, hate Germans that's that's uh, another uh, perfect segue thank you Mr Bartlett uh, Hans Gruber so uh, Die Hard also produced maybe one of the most iconic uh, without a shadow of oh, here um, played by the fabulous Alan Rickman um, first film first, first movie, movie I, I yeah, can't believe a big, big uh, theatre star or, um, mm-hmm. and kind of shows Oh, yeah. In this, I mean, it's very. Uh, he he was the coolest villain I've seen in, and probably ever since. Mm. I mean, it was unreal. <laughs> some of oh, the no, don't don't anybody get it wrong. Everything after Die Hard is just copying Die Hard. Yeah. Every action film up yeah. till then were following the same fucking standard: the Schwarzeneggers and the Stallones and blah blah blah. But the minute Die Hard landed. They all the anti-hero yeah. came in as a normal everyday guy. The the villain was more involved and he was more sort of de- not really demanding, but more intricate and sort of an intelligent thinking man. And yeah. and fucking Rickman just blows it out. Oh, of he's fantastic. Um, yeah. So I mean, it's I wouldn't even go as far to say he he, he maybe steals the show, which he shouldn't do from the hero. He um, and in a show that has a lot of even minor characters that are so memorable, he he is incredible. Yeah. Aye. And I mean, it's uh, we have a we have a clip here of him, and uh, this is roughly around about the time they find out that Mister McLean has been left within the building. There's somebody else in the building. Yeah. Um. So they've taken over. I can't remember which floor. It's probably thirtieth. Thirtieth floor is mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Uh. And so this is a Christmas party that's going on, and there he's in the middle of a speech to them. I wanted this to be professional, efficient, adult, cooperative. Not a lot to ask. Alas, your Mr. Takagi did not see it that way, so he won't be joining us for the rest of his life. <laughs> we can go anywhere you want us. You can walk out of here or be carried out. But have no illusions. We are in charge. So, decide now, each of you. And please remember, we have left nothing to chance. Not 
now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. Yes! <laughs> Again, that, I mean, it, it probably was very, I don't know if it was done on purpose, but that the first guy that he, uh, he that John McLean took out, uh, he rode obviously in, on his jumper then. Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. And he had feet smaller than his sister. And feet smaller than his sister. I don't know if that was a, a wee sort of a subtle nod to the fact that he was very German, um, very straight and very robotic, as in, mm-hmm. uh, like, it was Arnie being taken down. <laughs> like, yeah, was like, yeah, yeah. The, the guy who normally would be in control is now done. So this is not your normal fucking action film. No, The big guy's not. gone. Right. Taken out by a guy in a fucking vest, no shoes on. Do you know who was meant to play <laughs> Hans Gruber? No. Sam Neill. Oh. Really? Yeah. Mm. Or Noah? Yeah. Sam mm. Neill? No. What the fuck, Rick? Nah. And they originally had Rickman down to play the body in Red Heat. The one with Belushi. Oh, and Belushi and Swarzenegger. He's going to be the bad guy in that. Oh. But no. they kept him sort of on the back burner and then Joe Silver saw him in Dangerous Liaisons in the, in the Broadway and says, that can't be a good body, you know. And somebody else already had him in mind for something and they went, well, we thought the same. Boom. There we go. Well, that's it, and the rest. Sam Neill? Sam Neill. Oh, would nah, have been... it would have been quite... When you see Sam Neill now trying to be menacing in Piggy Blinders, it's right. like, nah. I don't know, I think Sam Neill's brilliant in Piggy... Because I <laughs> was reading a thing about... A lot of people give him stick for his accent, mm-hmm. but it was... The the accent of the character he's been in is very much of the time. Mm-hmm. So it's bang on for that I, kind of sort of Ulster... I, yeah. You know... But he's just not good in it, I don't think. I think he's great in it. Mm. I think Piggy Blenders went downhill after he's. Oh, you think? Knocked out of it, yeah. Oh, fuck. Right? Thank fuck you're not on this podcast. Just saying. That's just one. Uh. <laughs> That's good. No, give it to him. No, I'm not. I'm not having it. It's all right. Me and him agree way too much on things. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, I, I, I couldn't imagine him in this in a way. Um, oh, no, I'm definitely not. Uh, and uh, what it did was then, even the, the, the enunciations, the ho ho, all that sort of stuff. But the guy. Is an English guy playing a German, and at one point he's mimicking an American. Yeah, and you can hear the German in the, in American. the American, but that's not his. So no. how the fuck did he do that? Oh, that's unreal. And that was not that was written on the fly as well, because part of your boy D'Souza, who did all the script rewrites, mm-hmm. he was sitting getting food from the canteen, and he heard Rickman taking the piss out of America because they're in California, and he was uh-huh. doing a California accent, and he goes, "That's really good." How long? I've got an idea. <laughs> and then he just wrote that bit in. Maybe. Maybe it's, it's it is even that bit of like do you smoke or like do you know how to use a gun? I shot paintballs once. Like <laughs> I fucking love it so much. It's <laughs> it's a, oh, you know what I read as well, and I never thought about it until well read it. The the bit where he hands Gruber the cigarette, mm-hmm. he knows then that he's Gruber because when he takes the first drag, the strong German cigarette doesn't react to him. If he was an American, uh, he would have yeah. took that cigarette and went, fuck that strong. Or something along, probably not in that accent. Fuck that strong. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't have done that. Jesus, that'd blow the lungs you, that. Chokey, I think. Fucking die hard, right? Very good. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a, oh, that's a good, I, oh, I read that one. Oh, that makes you a bit more. Because he would have never, you know when he hands him the gun, he puts the safety clip on. Yeah. But he never puts any bolts in, but he puts the safety clip on anyway, just in case there's one in the chamber. Aye. And he couldn't get it out. So he hands him the gun, knowing there's no bolts in, but he still puts the safety on. In case there's one that Groover's fucking... So he knew from then. So he knew from right. the cigarette. <laughs> so the whole plot of the film, if you haven't seen it, obviously by this stage, I mean, I don't know where you've been in the planet. Um, it should be on your 
annual Christmas list anyway. Uh, but if you haven't seen it, obviously go and watch. But the, the plot of it is obviously the, the Nakatomi building has been uh, taken over because of a lot of bear bonds. Well, uh, we, we initially think it's terrorists, but what we find out is it's just it's a robbery. Just a robbery. And so you have Alan Rickman trying to get uh, his team uh, to hack into the big vault, which mm-hmm. again, so it's got all the actions you'd want. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hitting got, all the right notes. Like, yeah. And then you have the sort of weird, almost like a body partnership cop relationship going on between this McLean guy, and, McLe- uh-huh. who uh, Al Powell, who's just a, basically a beat cop yeah. sent out there, right. and <laughs> he gets a fucking he's body. home, he's buying some cookies. <laughs> <laughs> turns his car into Swiss cheese. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking welcome to the party, pal. I, I fucking I love that. That's great line. Do you know the only bit in Die Hard that I have a problem with? The only one bit is right at the start when uh, McLean goes into the Nakatomi Plaza mm-hmm. and he's looking for his wife, and the guy's like, "I'll oh, punch your details into the what do you call it mm-hmm. into the computer," and he does it, and then it's like, "Oh, it's not McLean; she's using her maiden name." Yeah. And then the guy behind the desk goes, "Oh, thirtieth floor." Uh, they're the only ones left in the building. I'm like, why didn't you just fucking Aye, tell them at the start? That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. If you're the only one and they're having a major party, surely I'm here for that. <laughs> I'm not here to meet Estelle cleaning 418. <laughs> here to meet the boys from the party. That's the only, it's the only fucking thing that annoys me about it. But I suppose uh, that, that has to be there so you can find out she's using her maiden name. Yeah. But... I don't know. I don't know why. No, it annoys me. Really annoys me. That's going to annoy me now when I watch it again. Even if there's two, even if there's Holly McLean and a Holly Gennaro, they're both probably in that floor. <laughs> <laughs> or else they're way home for Christmas. What irritates me is, and it's a big blooper, the with the boys all when the first reveal of the gang with uh, Rickman in the middle of them and they come out of the truck, uh-huh. and then there's no ambulance in the truck. Yeah, that was another one that nobody noticed. But then the later, the ambulance comes bouncing out right. of the fucking truck. <laughs> like what? It was there was a big sheet over it. Because they'd filmed it and they were doing it on the fly and they'd wrote that scene in with an ambulance, but they never had it filmed. Uh, I was only at, in the end they I, went, Fuck. I yeah, but I don't notice. I, I'm sure for instance I, I didn't notice till you just said it. So. I, and how many <laughs> times have you watched it? Like, you, but you're just so in you're going that's, that's the thing. Bad, no, no matter how many times I watch it, I am I'm almost like watching it fresh every time because I love every bit of it. It's fucking ah, it's unreal. so I mean Moving along, you, you kind of get a few, obviously, um, iconic things came out of this. I mean, uh, the mm-hmm. building, first of all. So, the, the Nakatomi building, as it's called in this. The building itself is actually Fox Plaza. It's 20th yeah. Century Fox's... It's their sort of their headquarters, hub, yeah. You know, they don't have the with the studios or anything. They, they do it in their own standalone building. But it, wasn't, it was being developed at the time. Mm-hmm. So, only half of it was actually being used. So, the rest was actual construction fucking sites, like... Yeah, it worked so out well. They, yeah. they wrote the film around uh, the you know where that table was, right? That'll look good if that's the section scene or whatever. So again, like everything was off the cuff. Like, but how did they have right? to film that on the fly when everybody went home as well? Was yeah, yeah, a lot of the yeah, like yeah. <laughs> when I had time to recall <laughs> shifts yeah. over. Uh, which is good because the film obviously takes place at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's still Fox, but it's still there as Fox Plaza. Like there's yeah. still the residents of it. So you have then the the whole uh, sort of cat and mouse game going on then between McLean who is within the building somewhere and uh, uh, Hans Gruber's team that are trying to find him the whole sort of thing as you say initially they're they're talking about it being a terrorist attack mm-hmm. so their plan is to blow up the building mm-hmm. so then there's leaves no evidence mm-hmm. and they're, they're gone and, and uh, with the money um, and so then McLean gets some of the explosives yeah the detonators <laughs> the detonators 
So at this stage, you know, you've got this, you've got that sort of uh, the relationship going on between McLean and Graber, but then you've got McLean and Powell outside, and then Powell outside with his yeah, they're communicating through yeah. CB radio, Captain and all that. Yeah, so mm-hmm. the radio conversations are, and it does not shy away from highlighting. That the LAPD are the stupidest police force <laughs> yeah. on the planet. <laughs> yeah, Every, even to when they first when he first gets the CB and he's getting through to that emergency uh-huh. channel, uh-huh. and the girls are all like, "You can't use this channel." And he's like, "No shit, or no fucking shit, lady." You think yeah. I'm ordering a pizza? <laughs> but <laughs> even yeah. then, when he's roaring and being and gunshots are going off, they go. Ugh. Send one boy over to take a look. <laughs> Gunshots. One boy who's on his way home and there's a desk fucking police isn't even on the beat anymore. Aye. But they, the boy, I shot a kid. <laughs> the, the guy's coming up. The guy's coming out of the, the police vans and running up through thorn bushes and getting themselves Aye, up. No, up. that's brilliant. I just go around it like it's a yeah. footpath. It's a footpath. <laughs> and then the, the tank. That comes along the armored tank, yeah. and then the quarterback is toast. But they, <laughs> dri- <laughs> they drive this fucking tank car thing in a big dramatic introduction, and then the first step it stalls, <laughs> <laughs> and it can't go any further. It's the worst fucking uh, worst thing. Yeah, so I, I assume that was the point, or else that was the only vehicle available to him at the time. But to make them they're look shooting bad, at but- the lights. <laughs> hey, they're shooting at the lights. <laughs> Paul Gleason, oh, fuck, uh, fucking uh, classes, an asshole yeah. in the Breakfast Club, an asshole yeah. in Trading Places, yeah. an asshole in this. Yeah, yeah. he's brilliant at being an asshole. Yeah. Oh fuck, he is top class. Right, like our, is. our own Mister Beaks. Um, so yeah, he, uh, you've got then, and, and uh, as well as that, the added dimension that comes later on in the film is then the the journalists, the the media start yeah. appearing as well. So again, that's D'Souza. He added that in because there was just not enough filler uh, with regards to how's the outside world seeing this. We keep seeing. You know, TV news cameras yeah. coming in, but yeah. what does it look like on the outside? And they did a great job of yeah. that, I think. What the uh, method didn't he? Just he just he's played them again. <laughs> the asshole character from Ghostbusters mm-hmm. just I just comes over, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's he's fucking brilliant. He's really, really such a wee snake, isn't such he? Like, a he's wee such a fucking. And because uh, so, there's that there's that bit of like even with the it, it kind of fucking breaks your heart, even no matter how many times you've seen it when his kids are like. On the news, like, yeah. is my daddy coming home? You're like, oh, you cunts. <laughs> but Why not only that, that, that reveals that Holly is married to fucking uh-huh. John. Puts Gruber's watching it in the TV and going, yeah. and then you see him putting it all together and again, another brilliant bit of following. Uh, yeah, I read a great bit of storytelling on it as well. The whole picture been uh, mm-hmm. on, 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 uh, on the flat and then he reveals it. And uh, One of the most iconic things that came out of this is maybe a phrase. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously it was a reference to uh, something else that has already been said. We'll we'll play it now, but uh, I, I mean, it's just was a wee bit modernized by yeah. Mr. McLean. So this is them talking again over the CB radios, and this is where a lot of uh, communication was happening, and he's now interrupted it. I thought I told all of you I want radio silence until further... Oh, very... Sorry, Hans. I didn't get that message. Maybe you should have put it on a bulletin board. Wax Tony and Marco and his friend here, I figured you and Carl and Franco might be a little lonely, so I wanted to give you a call. How does he know so much about this? This is very kind of you. I assume you are our mysterious party crasher. You are most troublesome for a security guard. Sorry, Hans, wrong guess. Would you like to go for double jeopardy where the scores can really change? 
these are very bad for you. Who are you, then? Just the fly in the ointment, Hans. The monkey in the wrench. The pain in the ass. Whoa. <laughs> Check on all the others. Don't use the radio. See if he's lying about Marco and find out if anyone else is missing. Mr. Mystery Guest. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Unless you want to open a front door for me. Uh, no, I'm afraid not. But you have me at a loss. You know my name, but who are you? Just another American who saw too many movies as a child. Another orphan of a bankrupt culture who thinks he's John Wayne, Rambo, Marshall Dillon. I was always kind of partial to Roy Rogers, actually. I really like those sequined shirts. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. But it's so cool. I, I always get the coolest fucking... <laughs> when you're outside not watching it, you're going, it's so cliche now. But when you see him do it yeah. the first I, time, because he's kicking the door and walking backwards, and he just looks so fucking smug. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, it's still cool I, as fuck. Like. He, uh, such a delivery of it too. I mean, it just was everything worked so well. But again, that became, as a as a child watching that, it was just... Yeah. Everything you know what was so mean? so out there. It was yeah. because like, again, I I was too young. I didn't even know what the fuck Roy Rogers was. No, um, but, no I, I had like, clue. I had nobody over here fucking baldy, but, nah, but like, but that's where even like happy trails and all comes from. In this, like, it's all from that one yeah. show that Roy Rogers was in. But the other guys, just before we move on, the amount of people that were offered this role, like you said before, Schwarzenegger turned mm. it down. Stallone, De Niro, Harrison Ford, Nick Nolte, Charles Bronson, Richard Gere, Don Johnson, Burt Reynolds, Mel Gibson, Tom Berenger, Richard Dean Anderson, who was the original MacGyver, all turned it down. And the first person that it was offered to, as you said, was Sinatra. Yeah. Because he was legally obligated. To be offered it. To be offered it. Right. Sinatra famously said, nah, I'm too old and I'm too rich. (laughs) 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 To play it. But man, Frank. In another Sinatra reference, and I found this fucking absolutely amazing. Quincy Jones said there was only one man who came close to sounding like Frank Sinatra. He's in this film. Can anybody guess who it is? Brucey? You'd think because he sang. Aye. Aye. Robert Davy, who plays Big Johnson. <laughs> the other FBI uh, agent, yeah. who's also in the Goonies, is one of yes, the yeah. Dallies. He's like one of the best uh, Frank Sinatra impersonators on the planet. Get out. The Bond villain from yeah, License to Kill. Yeah, yeah. Him? Barney's oh. done albums. Davy sings Sinatra. Yeah, that that's pretty good. Hell. I had a fucking notion he was in some opera and all as well. Oh, we'll have to go and take a look at that. I would have thought Willis because he had a... So, Because uh, he had a uh, album. He had a, in, in a, a crack career. <laughs> Bruce sings something. Yeah, oh. Bruce fucking sings all right. Uh, so, yeah, we're, well, as we move on, then we sort of see the tension in the film sort of comes because there's hostages involved and one of those hostages is John McLean's... Uh, Estranged wife is, mm. the, is the way to put it. Um, I think maybe the first woman I ever fancied as well. That that perm or something. It's fucking hell, mm. definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know who she is? No. Well, Bon Bonnie Medelia. Bonnie, yeah, but you know, know what her actual last name is? No. Culkin. She's Macaulay Culkin's auntie. Yeah. Get away the fuck. Or more re- re- referential now, Kieran Culkin's auntie. Cause <laughs> yeah, because he's famous now. Yeah, because everybody's going to call him. She's Macaulay Culkin's dad's sister. 
There you go. Bonnie, but you do Jesus, every day is a school day. Figure that one out. With and Mr. you think about it, I mean, that is Home Alone. Yeah. Just in a, a, it's an adult Home Alone. <laughs> <It's an adult laughs> so there is a world where Macaulay Culkin's character in Home Alone and Holly McLean are linked. At that Christmas. would be... Fuck me. Fucking hell. I did hear, just this is off topic, I remember reading a fan theory one time that uh, Saw, like Jigsaw, is a grown-up Kevin McAllister. That he was so traumatized by being left at home and having to fight off these burglars that he goes fucking mental. <laughs> that would work. <laughs> that, that would work, actually. Yeah. <laughs> that would work. I like that. Uh, so you have the. We, I mean, the, this this tension and it's going on. So you got to get. I mean, the the it's a very fancy. I think it was a financial firm or something, wasn't it? I can't remember what they actually. The, the company, uh, the Takagi. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Why uh, it, it doesn't really. It doesn't explain it doesn't really first off why they've got millions in bear bonds in their in their basement. Yeah. It also doesn't explain. There's like pictures in there too, like frame paintings. <laughs> yeah. Like, why are they stored in a building mm-hmm. in the center of Los Angeles that isn't? Yeah, uh, maybe it's because they're, they're nefarious. They're Uber, nefarious. They're mm. Uber Vault that they had. Um, and that apparently all you need to do is turn the power off outside. Yeah, <laughs> and it's fucking open. It's open. <laughs> yeah, I'm drilling away for fucking hours. Aye. You could be full, hit the fucking car, the post, and then just walk in the door. Like, yeah, just flick the trip switch there. <laughs> <laughs> walk past the meter with a magnet. Because <laughs> <laughs> then you have uh, that's the other side, the sort of tech side of it too. It was quite. It was uh, yeah. not advanced, but it was pretty uh, advanced at the time. Um, your guy doing all the can't remember his, the character's name. The, the black guy doing all the uh, is it Theo? Theo, yeah, doing the the the, the sort of the computerized stuff, yeah. and and explaining everything through. You and you're going through. The, he's the, way too confident in this film. He's, he's, yeah. he's so, so confident, confident and about everything. Like the whole thing about whenever the the we mentioned earlier about the cops coming through and getting pricked, but he's sitting doing the. It was the night, the night before, before Christmas, Christmas night. Night. but I loved that. Like I, you, but if you were so if you were sitting there waiting on his instructions, you'd be like, mm-hmm. "Shut the fuck up and tell me." Right no, <laughs> well, no, I, I I would be the other. I would be the boy going, "Oh, there's a there's a bar of crunch." Al Young, Al That's Young. Funny. When he eats that bar of crunch, I'm like, that looks like the most delicious chocolate bar yeah. anyone's ever eaten <laughs> on screen. I, I, it I, looks I, like he's really enjoying it. I buy them. <laughs> I buy them all the time now because I'm diehard. I just sit with a gun in the, in the hall and just, just wait away a crunch. <laughs> What are you doing playing Die Hard? Fuck off. That's so, cute. That's so cute that when you play Die Hard, you're one of the bad guys. You're not even John McLean. <laughs> I'm not even one of like, the bad confidence. guys. Just the one that wants to guard the door. Eating a bar of crunch. Because it's beside the Completely sweet. missing out the point that the guy's got a fucking grinder and he's opening the door and you're like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> I love that about uh, even the Even the guy who, who uh, overtakes as the fake receptionist. Yes. Mm-hmm. I loved him too. Oh, oh, doesn't he? For years, I thought that was Huey Lewis. I know it's a double. It's better Huey Lewis, but it's not. Should have been Huey. Uh, but the, even the switch of the accents and all that sort of stuff—it was all—it yeah. was all very, very cool. Uh, so yeah, we get to one of the other sort of uh, minor characters, um, one of Holly's work colleagues, who again is fucking brilliant. This uh, guy, <laughs> this guy. Um, there's interviews with him. There's a great book about Die Hard that came out in 2018. And it's like the full compendium, everything you could ever imagine. And there's lots of interviews with McTiernan and Joel Silver and all the writers and stuff. But this guy, he was the one that came up with the idea that it's going to be like a cocaine sort of right. induced, sort of high-flying, you know, a guy who trades, you yeah. know, that sort yeah, of Wall Street kind of thing. The, the typical just, sleazy yeah, shitehead. And he, he's Hart Bachner, that's his real name. Uh-huh. And as Ellis, he's saying to... Uh, John McTiernan. Now, John McTiernan 
This is his third film. Right. His second film is Predator. Oh, fuck. His fourth shit. film is The Hunt for Red October. So that's a good fucking run of uh, three okay. films there. Pretty decent. He also did Last Action Hero yes. and Die Hard with Vengeance and many, many more. Hero, I, I love that film, too. I love that film. Love it. So this guy knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And this fucking nobody who apparently was really good friends with Joel Silver and the producers and best friends with Warren Beatty. So he's a, he's a name around Hollywood, but not like a star in any sort yeah. of way. He's going up to John McTiernan and going, I know what way to play this. <laughs> McTiernan's like, no, you have to play him straight. Right? <laughs> so McTiernan and him fight day in, day out. And it comes to like a second filming scene of his. And he does it again where he's the sleazy Alice we know. And McTiernan fucking flips the lid. You're going to get thrown off this. But then he looks over and Joel Silver and Larry Gordon, the producers, are pissing themselves laughing. And they're like, oh, he's doing it right. So McTiernan, instead of like apologizing, just goes... Just do what you want. <laughs> Walks away, but knowing that he's eat on to he's something, doing, he's yeah. doing something really good. Like, and he is because out of all the minor characters in this film, he's the one you look forward to when he starts going into his wee rants. Yeah, and he's doing his fucking like. They say that the reason that the the, the robbers slash terrorists come in with a can of coke is because when he walked in, he went, "Get me some coke." <laughs> As in cooking, and they give him a ton of coke, and he's like, "All right, I'll do that." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's what you hear. Sorry, I was just going to say. Okay, I think we're going to play it anyway. But the the bit where because like obviously McLean meets him, and you can tell that he's trying to fuck his wife. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, bought her Rolex. What, what about it? Show him the watch. Fucking show him it. And then when it comes down to he's about to get his head blown off, and McLean's still like, "Shut your fucking mouth." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Anybody else would go, "I do it." <laughs> <laughs> well, let's we'll play a clip here now, and uh, the the wee squeaks you hear at the start is. Ellis taking two bumps um, just to prepare himself to go in and talk to the the bad guys. What are you doing? I'm tired of sitting here waiting to see who gets us killed first, them or your husband. What are you going to do? Hey, babe, I negotiate million-dollar deals for breakfast. I think I can handle this Euro trash. Hey! Frequency talk. <laughs> if you listen to me, he would be neutralized already. I don't want neutral, I want dead. Hope I'm not interrupting. What does he want? It's not what I want, it's what I can give you. <laughs> That's such a great Hand on gun, shake your head. Let's be straight, okay? It's obvious you're not some dumb schmuck up here to snatch a few purses, am I right? You're very perceptive. <laughs> I watch 60 Minutes. I say to myself, these guys are professional. They're motivated. They're happening, i.e., they want something, huh? Now, personally, I couldn't care less about your politics. Maybe you're pissed off at the camel jockeys. Maybe it's the Hebes, Northern Ireland. It's none of my business. I no, figure no. you're here to negotiate. Am I right? You're amazing. You figured this all out already. <laughs> hey, business is business. You use a gun, I use a fountain pen. What's the difference? Let's put it in my terms. You're here in a hostile takeover. You grab us for some green mail, but you didn't expect some poison pill was going to be running around in the building. Am I right? Hans. Bobby. <laughs> I'm your white knight. I must have missed 60 minutes. What are you saying? The guy upstairs is fucking things up, huh? I can give them to you. <laughs> it's just he, his facial expressions are just priceless. Like oh, when he's, he's on the phone with McLean, 
and he's just doing that. It's <laughs> like, just yeah. so. It's even the fact that he's got like a bit of a coke mouth. He's all. All right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to the point you're thinking that probably wasn't bacon powder that you were putting up there uh, or what is the name of the stuff they use there's a name for the fake coke oh, juice I can't remember no. uh, there's well, a substance I know there's a th- I remember seeing a thing about the straws they'll use you know, if people are taking coke there's a wee thing so if you, if you see a close up of somebody doing a line uh-huh. there is a like a filter that filter stops the stuff going up right yeah. okay right, right, right. Uh, unless it's uh, Nick Nolte or Gary Bushy involved and it's just Real? Was Nolte not into the gear? Uh, at least under something. Like. <laughs> I didn't know that, no. Busey had a fucking... Never stopped? Never stopped. Still had it. Uh, oh, well, you can tell him. Tell him Nolte two times. So, um, yeah, I mean, so Ellis, poor Ellis, unfortunately, puts himself forward being... Uh, and again, it's back to that yuppie sort of... Uh, even though it's LA, it's still very New York in his approach. Um, that, oh, yeah. You know, McTiernan financial, did that all financial deals for breakfast and all that shit. It's yeah. very rare you see daylight or sun or anything in this film to, to make it sort of highlight more that this... Well, I always read, or I always thought, you know at the end when all the paper's fallen mm-hmm. and the music's very lively? I always thought that was his interpretation of snow. Right, yeah. In, in California. Mm-hmm. Right. So you always sort of, like, you totally forget where you are by the time you get halfway through the film. Yeah, because it's, it's I mean, you're pretty much in darkness from... Well, especially when he lands, it's, and you know, it's obviously, it's, yeah. it's California sun, right. so it's yeah, fucking yeah. pure heat, yeah. Um, and maybe that's where it confuses some people um about it being a christmas movie or not because there's sunshine in it yeah but um uh, you you then ellis unfortunately uh will not give any spoilers away but let's just say is is coke he's taking, not in die hard too his coke taking <laughs> days his coke taking days were were limited uh, they were. uh so i mean then as we talked about gruber then decides to go and uh, um i don't know if he goes officially to look for him or he ends up i know he meeting McLean. No, he, he goes to look to make sure that the explosives are set for the roof. Oh, yes. Because right, the yes. other guys are indisposed looking for cheeky old John. Cheeky old John. And they meet. And then this is what we talked about in regards to Gruber putting on an accent. that <laughs> So he had to pretend to be American. Yeah. Which was... Uh, as a German. As, as a, a German. Yeah. Being played by an Englishman. Being <laughs> played by an Englishman, which was fucking brilliant. Uh, and that always... I, I, I always liked it because you mentioned earlier on about the gun. So he obviously he give in advance, giving the gun with no bullets, and so he knew what was going to happen. But uh, it it always was the tension that first time I mm. seen that, like because you're like, holy fuck, to be face to face, but not it is to it is almost like the film pauses for a minute mm. while the two boys are interacting because you don't see much else going on. It's just the two boys, and yeah, it's the first no time in the film that no, yeah. you know there's a bit of dialogue that's a wee bit longer than a few minutes, and you, you so the world does look because like if them two boys aren't involved yeah then nobody else has been able to run the show because gruber knows everything that's going on from top to bottom he has it all mapped out well this is the thing so not only do they know what's going on at the time they also are well aware of what the procedures are Mm -hmm. for the lapd and all the rest before they will eventually up it to the fba or the feds who turn up around about this point around about this time that they appear but i mean we know now just because of grand theft auto what level you have to go to to get the feds in. But at that stage, you, nobody really was aware of procedures of what came next. So I remember watching and going, oh, that's when the feds come in. It's mm-hmm. when, it's, when it gets to the point that they can't control it. The boys come in. So that's when our... Johnson and Johnson turn up. Johnson yeah. and Johnson. No relation. <laughs> <laughs> one is some African-American, one is not. Also, between them is one of my favorite lines in the whole film when they're in the helicopter. And he the, says the, a little bit of goes... 
Reminds me of Saigon Heroes. <laughs> I was in junior high, dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> and the voice is leaning out. Like, oh, I'm like, man, guys. Is that what that baseball cap on back yeah. in front? Yeah, you're like, oh, you're still wearing your wee weird suit. Nah, I fuck up, like, you're in a suit with a hat backwards. Oh, that's so good. So, that, that, yeah, so that's the end goal is to obviously blow up the roof and blow up all the hostages and to leave then. Uh, in the ambulance? In the ambulance and the class is a terrorist attack. Mm-hmm. So the helicopters, and this is an, again one of the bigger sort of action set pieces. And I suppose if it's to this day, it's probably one of the short stills that's shown mm-hmm. uh, when advertising the film, whether it's going on TV or whatever, is them fucking the fire hose yeah. jump. Yeah. Well, the that particular Jan De, Jan Debont was the cinematographer in this film. I know it's mental. He's it? directed Speed and Twister and Speed's Die Hard and the Boss Lick. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but he, he he said that that sort of setup with the helicopter circling around the building and explosion pyro going off in the hole and, and actors on the, the mm-hmm. actual roof, he said that would take three days. And Los Angeles County told him they had three hours on a Sunday evening. That's right. That is and they got the whole thing. Which is unreal. Which is unreal. It's, 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 it's crazy. Like, um, so yes, then we're we're coming to the 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 end. Um, but once the feds arrive, um, Hans sort of as a delaying tactic has a, the ability to negotiate or wants to negotiate. Mm. And I remember getting very excited very, at this point. It was bad enough that Ellis talks about Northern Ireland, and I was like, I, "What? Yeah. What?" And then we had um, yeah, a good positive representation of us at yeah, that time exactly. in the Hands up the ra. Yeah. And then next. Uh, <laughs> it was like, what the fuck? Did-? I remember my dad going, which one's them? <laughs> Is that another one? So here you had uh, Hansi uh, setting up his own wee, his own wee <laughs> dissident group, I think. I yeah. The following people are to be released from their captors. In Northern Ireland, the seven members of the new Provo Front. Huh? In Canada, the five imprisoned leaders of Liberté de Québec. In Sri Lanka, the nine members of the Asian Dawn. What the fuck? I read about them in Time magazine. <laughs> <laughs> so he's just bluffing his way through. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just keeping to, everybody occupied for... Yeah. To, to make it, again, to make it look like yeah. a, a terrorist uh, thing with, with negotiations. So, um, on the Provo front, I don't know... I don't. I don't. I, I, I know. Was, those, I know those two fellas. You know, <laughs> uh, that that chip chop. <laughs> uh, I just. I never. I, I. I mean. I still to this day don't know what happened to those seven lads. Um. And if they ever got out, but maybe they got good Friday. Going out the front with Jerry. I think that was, that was ten years later. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So yeah. But again, I mean, that was. Uh, I suppose if you think of the time of this, nineteen eighty-eight. I mean, Belfast yeah, was pretty. I was ahead of it at that time. Like yeah. so. It was on, but the top for of it to be a major like element in a film like this, yeah. where they're just referencing international terrorism, and they're on about the wee place up the road from here. Like, <laughs> you go, what? What yeah. do people think of here? An Asian dawn. That's Asian dawn. <laughs> no, it's still. Dawn. And everybody's confused by Asian yeah. dawn in the film. The terrorists and the police. Are Asian dawn. <laughs> I read it in Time magazine. Yeah. Uh, Asian dawn's a girl with an OnlyFans now. <laughs> <laughs> Wild cock on her. <laughs> Four ninety nine. Sorry, I heard. Yeah. So nice. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I don't know how to. How do we bring this one back? Just press stop and just. Oh, well done. <coughs> um, so apart from Asian Dawn, 
this is when then, as I say, the, the, the action sequence at the end and the whole sort of... But then, one of the... What would you call them, The henchmen? Mm-hmm. One of the, the odd job of, the, uh, of, of Die Hard, uh, Carl. Carl is has, an interesting boy. He's, a, he's interesting because, again, he's kind of played the same character from Ghostbusters. Uh-huh. So instead of a fiddle, he's just taking a machine gun. Well, but remember he was like a conductor of the orchestra that you know was in, and he was a bit no. Of a, is that not him? No. no. What, what was you're thinking in? of the Money Pit? Money Pit. Tom He's Hanks. the composer He's the in composer. the Money Pit. Yeah. But That's it's, what it it's the same exact character. same space. Uh, yeah. Exact same auditorium too. Oh, was that right? Ah, no. Okay. I knew it was. Yeah, he was. He's Alexander Gudenov, who was a classically trained <laughs> He's uh, good. He's good. ballet man, Aye. and he he was over and obviously Russian. And he was in the USSR at the time doing the, the ballets, the Bolshevik stuff. Mm-hmm. And he was sent by Brezhnev to do a performance along with their orchestra in New York. And when he went to New York, he was only there like a day and he went, I like it here. Can I have political asylum, please? <laughs> right? Okay. So there was a fucking massive handling that started between Brezhnev and Jimmy Carter because he wanted him to come back. But his wife was also part of the orchestra. So he was like, you have two of my premier you know, performers. <laughs> right. In your country, I want them home. So her her flight was grounded because the KGB required she come back. So she got on the plane, being good Russian girl, and like, we'll get fucking shot if I don't do this. But what they didn't realize during all that, there was three days of negotiations was she actually didn't want to stay in America. She <laughs> wanted to go home. Right. So good enough stayed, got a divorce from his wife, and became a film star. Fucking good enough for him, man. Eh? But then he drank himself to death. Ah, that's oh, did he? Oh, he's, he's fucking, he was a wild man, weren't he? <laughs> Flattening himself around New York, like the, the vodka, flatten the vodka. Uh, yeah, so that was what the money pit. He played the same sort of character, there, a real asshole, real sort of. Yeah. But, uh, there is a thing in this when you when you really think about it, he does get over his brother being killed pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, he he's raging. He tried to kill him in the fucking early on. He was sawing the fucking. <laughs> he took his head off a chainsaw. They I want vengeance. <laughs> well, you don't really give a fuck, Carl, do you? He tossed an old coffee cup or two. You think? No, that was her. That was it. <laughs> And then he's just dying to get up and clean, just because everybody wants to get a wee bat at this point. Like. So at this point, obviously, we we've t- we have a, an epic fight. You mentioned the fight earlier on. Right. It was the most realistic kind of, you know, he's mm-hmm. he's McLean's person, like, and, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and he's left hanging, literally, yeah, uh, by a chain. But so after the the sort of the explosion attempt, then we have the ultimate uh, face off, face off, then with with Gruber and. Uh, Again, McLean being a sneaky bastard. Oh. Only one bullet. Mm-hmm. But he's a load of duct tape. He's got the <gasps> Christmas duct tape, no less. He's got two bullets. Oh. And then he shoots your mom. Oh, and then he shoots the guy at the front desk with me. But he's got, more importantly, he's found out at this point that Holly McLean is John McLean, so he's got Holly as well. Yeah. While they're trying to get all their bear bonds into the big bags. And, and so then you have probably one of the, I'm going to say one of the only maybe... CGI-ish type scenes yeah. of Hans Gruber. No, you're right, it is the only one. Is it the only, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so you see Hans then falling. Oh. Uh, well, not say falling where, but he's, yeah, he's falling. Again, reference the watch. Mm-hmm. They take the watch off that he was speaking about. It's, it's just... But then, do you think that's I know, one, like, do you think that's one callback and then we get to downstairs? But it still holds up, though. That shot of him falling still holds it, yeah, up because... Remember, it's used in Die Hard of a Vengeance as well. Mm-hmm. When they go, uh, the terrorist is Simon Gruber, and he yeah. goes, he's the brother of, and it flashbacks just quickly. Uh-huh. And even in a film made, you know, 10, 15 years later, it still looks good. Yeah. But, think- and those 10, 15 years, technology went absolutely straight oh, there, there, so well. there was a thing I've seen, uh, again, that same Netflix documentary, they said that 
they told Alan Rickman they were going to drop him at the count of ten and drop him because he was really afraid of heights. And they dropped him on two. So <laughs> the, the look of fear in his face is genuine. genuine. Like he's, really, he's really shit himself. But it was they said it was 40 feet in that documentary. Aye. But it was actually something like 70 feet. Because the act, in the book, the actual stunt coordinator who let him go was like, yeah, I may have misjudged on a recent documentary. <laughs> because I've heard now from the specialist that laid the, 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 the foam at the Aye. bottom. Or like the wee thing he landed on. There were, it was 70 feet. So he was... Properly shaking himself. Did he fuck his back up a bit in that one? Did he, he, have... he hurt his ankle before right. they filmed them last scene, so he was actually on crutches and he had a stop. So if you ever look at it, he's sort of standing to one side because he can't, he's mm-hmm. hobbling the whole way across. And I mean, as you say, it does hold up because I think that the sort of background to it was very blurred mm-hmm. in it and purposely, mm-hmm. so he stands out a lot more. So that's maybe yeah. why it doesn't. Because I mean, if you watch this, we've talked about it before, the 4K. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're into then. Can you spot things in the 4K if you watch? Do the- you see like uh, I've seen Back to the Future recently, and oh my god, it looks terrible. I mean, the special effects right. oh, they look bad in HD. Even in three, but to go to 4K, it's like. Jesus, I, it's I seen. Remember, there's a scene in uh, three where there's like a a town sort of barn dance, and they're all out mm-hmm. when the clock's being raised yeah. up, and it's Marty McFly with his great 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 grandfather. Just, just seen it yesterday. That you're going. It's really oh, bad. That, that looks like something's sort of hovering around. Oh, right, okay. it doesn't that's work right. it doesn't work at all. But again, in VHS, we never seen. I it. Never we never noticed that. Even in cinema, you didn't really notice. No. But now everything shows up. Um. So that there, yeah, it does it does stand the test of time. But then we come to the downstairs, and this is another wee poignant moment mm-hmm. of a callback where because we've he- we've heard about Sergeant Powell. Yes. You know why he had to? Because that was a, a quite a emotional scene would you say in the middle of it a wee break while the two of them had a sort of heart to heart over the radio yeah uh i think in that documentary it showed uh, was famously that <laughs> willis didn't turn up for your man he, he didn't he didn't like <laughs> he didn't interact with anyone but he made him but stand he, yeah. in the room whenever his lines were being done so powell had to come in read his lines with mclean or with willis Aye. when it was his angles been shot but when powell's lines were being done willis wouldn't didn't do it. Turn, wouldn't willis wouldn't turn up and read the lines with him um, Why was that? He's just been a dick. Just a cunt. Just because he didn't have. Well, to. Th- right. there was the, the start of being a cunt for Bruce Willis was that he was given five million for this film for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, like I said, somebody jumping from TV to movies was rare. Yeah, and it was only sort of known if you were jumping to a film that was based on a character you did in the TV show. So mm-hmm. him jumping from like Moonlighting to this, yeah, people were going. And there's a quote where they said. New York Times said, the map of movie star salaries must now be redrawn. This can only be compared to an earthquake. <laughs> so that was the equivalent of like somebody getting 40 million now, and then that's just the standard. Aye. Everybody who starts in a film starts at 40 million. It was like Julia Roberts with the 20 million mark. Yes. For the females, yeah, the first female to 20 million, and that was sort of the standard in after that. But I mean, can you imagine a film of that caliber coming out? Totally out of the blue. Now, I know McTiernan did Predator, and it was massive, and it's a fucking amazing film too. Mm. But McTiernan... Your boy to Souza, Jeb Stewart, who wrote as well, and Alan Rickman and fucking Bruce Willis type actors now, just no. in a film landing? It hasn't happened. Because no. like. uh, even if you think of the comparisons to, say, uh, a Will Smith mm. coming from Fresh Prince into, well, ultimately Independence, Independence Day for the big thing, I mean, it, he had well established a Fresh Prince with how many series. I mean, Moonlighting I, wasn't about long enough for no. it to even establish. It was a, a big show, but it wasn't yeah. like the heights of... Will Smith the, was already a, a household name to go mm-hmm. on to that, so Willis was definitely breaking the mould for um, for doing that. I mean, you still didn't... It was very rare, because, I mean, Don Johnson, for instance, Miami Vice, he didn't nope. manage to make that jump. You know, nope. there was a lot of, like, uh, Tom Selleck and all those ones. None mm-hmm. of them really made that jump, but Willis just... 
I don't know if it was just pure luck or whatever, but uh, he got the part and. Uh, but it's done right. History. It's done right. It's done perfect. Th- yeah, this right. is also That's... where he first met Demi Moore, right before the film. of this. Oh, was it right? She was engaged to Emilio Estevez, I believe. Oh, and him and him and her got it on. Oh, Jesus! Fair play, I tell him because uh-huh. he's done. That's another thing when you watch it, you kind of go, I don't, I fancy him, and I don't know why. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He's, he's that kind of yeah, yeah. He's that kind of fucking. He, he does have that weird sort of fuck. He's cool. It, yeah, Do you know and, what I mean? And like, even though he's, he's obviously he's like he's balding and he's you know he's it, oh that's a good story too. It, it goes against the whole uh, norm where mm-hmm. you know this like fucking t- pure muscle bound fucking uh, perfect hairline and everything you know great and he's just coming in there like a fucking mess. No, yeah, sho- mess. no shoes, no uh, vet. The no shoes thing obviously becomes a running joke the whole way or not a joke, but running thing the whole way through. Right, it's a plot point. Every single time right. they shoot glass and he's running across it, the audience is like, oh, holy fuck. Right. When, he's sitting in the, when he's sitting in that fucking bathroom pulling it out. Oh, oh, with the newspaper. Uh-huh. Holy fuck. But there's a bit where uh, in that book also, McTiernan and Willis instantly fucking button heads because Willis came in here going, I get five million for this. I'm a big deal. But everybody else is going, nobody fucking knows who you are. Right. So McTiernan having his own bit of an ego going on. He's a bit mm-hmm. of a lunatic as well. Like, the two bought a head straight away. So McTiernan noticed that every time Willis was in the makeup chair, he had more people working on his hair than putting <laughs> on his cuts and bruises and all that. And he was going, this boy's got a problem. He's balding and he's hiding it. So he told Joel Silver, tell him the next time you see him, if he's arguing about me, that if he fucking does any more shite, raise and follow my instructions, tell him I can make it look like he's bald. <laughs> right? <laughs> Obviously he couldn't, but he goes, I'll make it sure that there's lights in the top of your head all the time and sure as fuck Willis was like oh you don't <laughs> <laughs> didn't argue with anything he said yeah because it's definitely yeah, yeah it's very clear that I was so you can tell he was like he said something about uh, he's gonna shine lights and he'd be like where where, where? where's he's gonna shine lights in my head <laughs> so but Willis so we just wee bit around the back we're gonna show for us we sunroof there but yeah I mean and so uh, the, as we said already then the, the sort of characters changed from then on and Mm-hmm. Um, the action hero became sort of the everyman. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite bits of it is when he's in the uh, he's in the, the ventilator shaft. Mm-hmm. He's crawling along with mm-hmm. a zippo and he's talking to himself. Come out, daddy, we'll have a party. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fucking them going through fucking the, raging, yeah, just like ripping. Oh, like <laughs> fuck's sake, I'm stuck in a fucking uh, air conditioning I, shaft. As always, I'll never on. get this vest back to white. <laughs> <laughs> but also at the start. Remember when he gets in, when he meets Argyle, who we haven't spoken about yet? Uh-huh. Argyle's waiting in the limo the whole time for him, underneath the Nagatomi Plaza, and he gets into the front <laughs> yeah. and puts the bear in the back. Right. He's carrying a bear for his kids. But he gets into the front, and Argyle just keeps pestering him. But you like him more because he's going, stop asking me fucking right. questions. Right. But he keeps asking him questions. But then Argyle turning up at the end as well. It's a nice wee sort of uh, connects with the it all together. But. With the limo. Because um, again, that was... The comedy element was Argyle. Yeah. You know, everything was going clean, mad, there's fucking guns going off, and he's down having a party. Aye. With Aye. his girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> With the bear. Aye. Yeah, with the bear. Uh, so, I mean... Uh, what, what happens to Theo? Because Argyle knocks him out, but you don't see him get arrested or no. killed. Or- Apparently he really hit him too. Did he actually punched him? And that's why he's shaking his hand and sort of smiling like, I might have broke something here. <laughs> <laughs> he actually hit him in the face when he was in the ambulance. But Theo deserved it. He was too cocky. Theo deserved. But he remember he has to crash out through. So Theo's still in there. Aye. So more than likely him crashing through the gates. Theo just did a fucking just bail on here, boys. Keep cops outside and way on here. Because I remember I, I'm I, a hostage. I'm a hostage. I did read something at one point that Die Hard Four. The the initial plot behind that would be that fucking Theo never got arrested. 
Right. And he's the guy See, that's, that ends up doing all this tech stuff. That's fucking interesting. Because that would be class. nothing after Die Hard Revengeance has been any way interesting at all. No. Aye. They've all... Truly awful stuff. Terrible. Like, I, I love Die liked, Hard Revengeance. I thought it was really I, brilliant. I like I, Die Hard 4 just for it being just a big fucking stupid action movie. Yeah. But it's not a Die Hard movie. No. Nah, Do you know? No. Even nah. the fact... I remember like when I first watched it, the fact that he doesn't even have the classic Beretta handgun. Yes. Yeah. He's got a different gun. I was like, this isn't even seen nah, movie. It's no, like, it's not. No. But it, the, the Link... Die Hard 2 is a good film. You can watch it. No problem at all. But it's 1 and 3 that are really... Mm. That I think... I, I 3 is brilliant. Like, Aye. Yeah. Vengeance is unreal. That's class. And also, remember, uh, no, when the cops first show up and Al's on the, the CB to McLean mm-hmm. and there's a cop chatting to Paul Gleason's character. He's the same guy who tells McLean in 3 it's Simon Gruber. Get out of it. It's the same actor, like... Oh, so they used the boy from. He was just a beat cop and the thing. He's standing chatting to the deputy, and then he's the guy that's actually. Remember, he's sitting in the van, like right. the, the glasses and his glasses and all playing well. about. Well, we'll have to take a look at oh, that. Oh, fuck, we'll have to definitely. All right, it's the same boy. Well, there you are on that mad note. Um, Before we finish, though. Oh, we're going to be bonus extra. Just landed into Nakatomi and went here. One home for an old buck. Get it or shut <laughs> it. And it'll all be over. <laughs> <laughs> whole thing would have blew up. Gruber. Gruber would be lying on the beach in Barbados. If he just, 20%. Yeah. <laughs> if he just apologised, like, it would be, be like, no, no need for any more <laughs> Fucking women. I'm no, uh, no, here now, it was Alice. If, if she hadn't been wearing the fucking watch, it would have been all right. Ah, uh, you see, Alice fucked up. I mean, she did that. That's a bad bitch. I Holly knew what she was doing there, she too. Did, like, and then took her name away and all. De Niro, De Niro on the door, too. Like, on the Aye. door. That shit did coming off quickly. Didn't take long before we got into the women beating anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So yes, that's this is our uh, best of the best. It's our uh, Christmas, uh, the only probably Christmas one we'll do. Um, yeah. But so first things first. Thank you, Mister Mickey Bartlett. Thanks for having on. me, fellas. Been a pleasure. And, uh, we'll maybe get you back next year for Die Hard Two. Deadly. That would be that's perfect. Because again, they're having a Christmas too, didn't they? Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. That's, that's probably more Christmas. Than this one. More Christmas <laughs> and uh, so yes, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from Mister Mullen. Bye bye.